Hi, I'm Laura. Hey, I'm Stefan, and you're listening to Attributed, a podcast library by Dream Data. The purpose of it is to store and share all the knowledge that we have gathered across Dream Data employees through our LinkedIn Lives, podcasts, and webinars. The typical topics you'll find here can be stuff like marketing, sales, B2B ads, operations, social selling, maybe. Today is a very narrow session, you can say. If you don't like LinkedIn ads, then it's probably the wrong <laughs> life to join. But I do like LinkedIn ads, and it's something we use at Dream Data every day. I think it's the channel where we spend the most now, which is new for me, but I really, really like LinkedIn's ad platform. And today I've invited one of those guys that I sent some DMs once in a while when I'm <laughs> a little bit lost or I have a question about LinkedIn that I don't get. And that's you, Gabriel. So thank you so much for, for taking the time to join in here. It's my pleasure. Cool. And uh, like for those who don't know you, maybe you can just do the quickest of introduction of yourself and the agency which you, you founded as well. Sure. Um, so my name is Gabriel Ehrlich. I'm the founder and CEO of an agency called Remotion. Uh, Remotion is a LinkedIn ads agency. I started the company about six years ago, really, really early on into after LinkedIn ads had kind of uh, rolled out their self-serve pro uh, product. We're based out of Tel Aviv. So there's a really strong B2B tech sector here. And kind of with a few strokes of luck and good fortune, I had the ability to work with some pretty incredible marketing teams at some pretty incredible unicorns and, and companies that weren't unicorns yet, but became unicorns. And so I really w was able to kind of uh, cut my teeth on LinkedIn, you know, way before you had lead gen forms, before you had retargeting, <laughs> before you had all this cool stuff that you have now, you didn't have, it was really simple. And I just got a lot of experience on it. And so was able to get a bunch of great clients um, pretty early on. And then about three years ago, decided to turn that one-man show into an agency. Right now, we're about 12 people. We manage about $2 million a month in LinkedIn ad spend. We have about 30-some-odd clients, uh, mostly in Israel, but quite a few in Europe, uh, quite a few in the United States, and even one in India. Hi, guys, if you want. Super nice, Gabriel. And uh, yeah. It'd be nice to hear just a quick uh, like tour through the history of LinkedIn ads, maybe in a little while. But for you yeah. guys who are listening, ask us anything session. So if you are using LinkedIn ads and you have a very specific question, just write it in the chat and we'll, we'll pick it up as we go along. Otherwise, me and uh, Gabriel will just go through a conversation about LinkedIn ads and what the questions I've prepared as myself for, for my own usage, but uh, LinkedIn, uh, Gabriel will also go through kind of the best practices they see at, at Remotion as well. But Gabriel, let's just warm up a little bit. What What is kind of, what's been the evolu evolution the last six years in like a few short steps uh, with LinkedIn ads? Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's, it's gotten more expensive. Uh, I think that when I first started, the average cost per click was around $10. Now I'd say it's close to $20. Um, you know, if we're talking about tier one markets, before, when I first started, there were no lead gen forms. Uh, there was no, there was no pixel. There was no retargeting pixel, conversion pixel. None of that existed. And so it was really, really hard to kind of uh, get attribution in there. But we did. And we saw some really interesting stuff. But it was also less competitive, you know, less expensive. And results were, it was easier to come by results earlier on. Um, and it's, it's become harder. 
And now, you know, I think we've been able to kind of correct for that with the lead gen form. So like, I think yeah. you could plot a, a, a you know, an X, Y axis with conversion rates kind of going down year over year. And that's not just with LinkedIn, conversion rates is just going down year over year in general. Mm. But then when they introduced the lead gen form, they're able to kind of buy that back. And I think that if they hadn't done that, it has been really, really, really hard for a lot of companies to show any sort of value uh, from LinkedIn. Yeah. It's even if it wasn't there, just hard to prove it. Um, I think this is a, like, there's a, there's a marketing lesson in it in itself. The prices yeah. just go up year and year because competition strengthens. Yeah. So if yeah. you have something, if you have campaigns where you're happy about the result, you need to spend more money right now right. because in the future, the math is going to break. Yeah. And I mean, LinkedIn itself has grown. Like I, I, I've, I really experienced that over the last two or three years as, you know, not just a LinkedIn advertiser, but as a LinkedIn, you know, contributor, a creator and somebody who writes a lot. And, you know, you write a lot as well. I felt that, you know, there's just a lot more, a lot of people are on LinkedIn more. I think people have kind of stopped. They're spending less time on, on Facebook, a little bit more time on LinkedIn, uh, more people, more countries. So that's pretty cool. So the audience has expanded there as well. Yeah. And the product itself has matured in, a, in an interesting way. It's still not perfect. Nothing is right. But and it's far from no, no. as advanced as some of their competitors, but it's come a long way. And I think we can give them a lot of credit for that. Yeah, absolutely. If we start out, like, who would you say LinkedIn ads is for and who should not like think about it as a good place to, to put some of their dollars? I have a few opinions here. I would say, number one, if you are in B2B in any way, you should be on LinkedIn ads in some way, right? So if, if you have a B2B audience in, in any sort of capacity, I think it makes sense to do something on LinkedIn. Even if it's just retargeting, even if it's just, uh, you know, throwing a few hundred bucks, a few thousand bucks, I would make sure I'm there in some way. But I think who we've seen uh, is able to be the most successful on LinkedIn ads. I mean, we at Remotion, we focus on B2B tech companies uh, and companies that have kind of um, sales driven motions uh, versus, you know, more product led. You, you mentioned that before, and, and I'll reiterate that it has to be your ACV has to be high enough to afford it. So like if you're selling, you know, hundred dollar a month subscription software or I don't know, something like that, it's very, very yeah. unlikely. If you can't get a deal for, I don't know, $20,000 a year, give or take or, or above it's, it's, it might be harder. You know, let's say if I would say the cutoff would be like 15 K 10 K maybe being the, the absolute minimum, it's going to be really, really hard for it to be ROI positive, if that is what you are looking for. And that's where my big caveat is, not everything needs to be ROI positive. And I know that kind of goes against a lot of performance marketing religion, but you know, sometimes just getting in front of your audience consistently, day in, day out, year in, year out, yeah. even if you can't necessarily say, oh yeah, we got all those clicks and all those clicks turned into leads and all those leads turned into opportunities. Even if you can't necessarily measure that, there is, absolutely value in getting in front of your audience day in day out with with your message yeah. whether or not you can prove I, it or not i think this that has been my experience with linkedin as well that i i've been very like so focused on getting that click so i could measure what happened afterwards yeah but uh december last year we started doing these matched audiences on linkedin where you could like select who who are the companies that seizure at and 
we didn't want to do stuff that way you forced people to click. We wanted our message in front of the right people at the right companies. So what we could like in our own software could see was that, yes, there was some direct attribution spillover where like somebody clicked, signed up to a form and then went into the sales pipeline. But the bigger lift seemed to come from people Googling organically and people yeah. coming directly to our website afterwards. Yeah. And if you have a, if you know, we're with 30 people, so we're not a huge company. So it's, it's easier to correlate kind of what was the yeah. difference in our go-to-market. Okay, we started this spend, then it must probably be that spend. If you're like yeah. a huge company, then you have many activities and it can be harder to tell. But that was my own kind of, oh, fuck. It's not about getting the click necessarily. It's about getting in front of the right people and then they will come to you once they're ready to talk. Yeah, and I've come up around in a big way around that. Like I, you know, I got my start in marketing and in performance marketing and PPC and, you know, really, really like performance driven environments. And the more I'm in this, you know, in this area and the more I'm running marketing for myself and I'm learning over time, I'm getting a lot less interested in, in that. Like I don't, you know, when I'm running ads for emotion, I don't care what my cost per lead is. I don't, I know because I don't have, again, like I'm small. So I know every single lead that comes in and I know if I'm running a, a campaign targeting cybersecurity companies in Europe and I'm starting to see a few leads coming in here and there from cybersecurity companies in Europe and they're referencing the ad in the, in the sign up form, then I'm, that's it. You know, and I'm not spending a hundred thousand dollars a month and a, a good deal for us can be, you know, a hundred thousand dollar lifetime value. So I don't really care. Like I know it's actually going to be our positive. I know I don't have to, yeah. I don't care when I'm doing it for myself. Now as an agency, we can't really do that for our clients. We have to prove our value. We have to, yeah. Yeah. So we're a little bit more inclined to, you know, to do that attribution stuff and, and actually show this campaign brought in this much pipeline or this campaign brought this many SQLs or something like that. But as much as possible, trying to you know tie it to, to revenue. But I'm also trying to educate our, customers on the fact that, yeah, a lot of value here is coming from people Googling and a lot of value is going to be coming from actually people learning about your company over time. They might not need what you do right now, right? So, you know, if I'm a up and coming uh, B2B tech company, I think you and I have probably a similar ICP. Um, mm. They might not need LinkedIn ads right now. They might say, hey, I don't have budget for this right now. But, you know, I might be getting in front of them day in, day out, day in, day out. And then when they do, they're like, what's the name of that LinkedIn ads company that I keep seeing their ad for? Oh, yeah, Remotion. You know, hey, new marketing guy, go please uh, Google Remotion. I'd love to have a call with them. And, yeah. you know, this is kind of, people are writing about this. People are talking about this all the time. I think it's becoming more and more clear that this is how things actually work. But this is how advertising works. I think we should put, we should put in a disclaimer here that it's <laughs> this is just our opinion and you really yeah. like you, like this is the overall strokes but of course you follow everything as as granular as you can and you say this out of years of gut yeah. gut feeling and experience and you know yeah. the ads is targeting exactly yeah. the right people yeah. so it's you cannot just like do these things blindfolded obviously there's <laughs> directional things that you need to check in hundred percent. And we look at, you know, when, when I'm, when we're running our campaign, you know, I can, cause it's my money and it's my business. I can kind of like do that like that. But when we're running, you know, campaigns for our clients, we, we would never do that. 
on one hand. On the other hand, we're, we're trying to kind of complement it. We're trying to come and say, look, this is what we can measure. This is what we're seeing. This is what, you know, this is what's happening in terms of the things that we're measuring, right? And, and we can kind of track. What I like to, to say there is don't look at that as the absolute truth. Look at that as an indicator, right? So if the graph is going like this and, it's, and that's a good thing, then keep doing that. But that doesn't mean that if, you know, it's telling you that your cost per opportunity is $10,000, it's not. It might be $5,000. It might be two and a half thousand, and it might be, yeah. you know, even less. You don't know. And, and it's important to kind of have that humility when coming into it and saying, well, there's a bunch of stuff here that you can't know for sure. And you can come up with models. And you can, if you really, really want to, you can kind of try to. But you should also just assume that there's more than meets the eye. Yeah, especially if you're getting good feedback. Especially if people are saying, I saw your ad, especially if, you know, things are looking generally good and you're getting in front of your audience and they're responding to the ads and they're signing up and you're getting some like meetings and deals from that. You can assume there's more of that there. You just don't know about. Yeah, I normally run by if if you're in doubt whether things are working or not and you cannot find any proof, it's not working. So that's yeah. why you need the kind of yeah. link. Something is coming through the specific campaign, yeah. but you can also assume that it's not capturing the full value yeah. creation of the campaign. hundred percent. There are heuristics. There are, there are signals that every cam campaign kind of throws off that it's good, you know? And yeah, you can look at things like CTR. You look at a thing like likes on the post. You can look at things that are like uh, comments on the post. You know, I, sometimes I'll run an ad and then within hours, people are commenting on the ad saying it's funny. Like that's a win. Mm -hmm. I don't care if I got leads. That's a win. You know, if I made yeah. my audience laugh, that's a win. <laughs> Absolutely. If we, I would love to hear if there is such a thing as a silver bullet or like golden tactic for LinkedIn. What would kind of the kind of one, two, three things you would say that you at least should consider to be if you want to be successful on uh, on LinkedIn? Okay. So number one, you got to have make sure that you can afford it. Uh, I think that you want to have enough budget. Um, bear in mind the LinkedIn ads is expensive. So when we talk to clients, we prefer if they're spending at least $15,000 a month, which is like $500 a day, which gives you enough room to test, right? Now, if I'm doing it for myself and I have the patience, I might be spending less. Or if you're doing it in-house, you might want to you know, do less. But I would make sure that you have the budget or the time to, to, to invest in it. That's number one. Number two, is your audience targetable, right? So if your audience is, I don't know, um, people who are, I had one once that was just like impossible. I get these weird ones. I'm, I'm, I'm having a brain blank here, but sometimes yeah, but yeah. companies where they can only sell to companies that have, I don't know, a, a certain criteria that just doesn't exist As, as something that is targetable and you would never yeah. really even be able to do a list like that and just forget about it. Or there's only, I don't know, 50 companies in the world that they could sell to. I don't know. Business to government stuff is, is kind of tough mm. in that sense. Yeah. 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 Does it make sense for you? you know, is there any scale here? Is there any meat on, on the bones? Uh, is it targetable? That's number one. Um, so, and now I'm going to kind of get specific here. If you're running lead generation campaigns uh, for a sales driven motion, where the goal is to get leads and then have your SDRs reach out, book a meeting, show a demo, then you want to make sure that you have all the stuff, right? And all the stuff, all the infrastructure. 
You want to make sure that you have content that you can run. You want to make sure that you have creative that, that you can test out. You want to make sure that you have SDRs that's going to be reaching out to the leads. If it's you know the CEO or, or salespeople, it's not impossible, but it's going to make things more difficult. And it's it kind of increases the risk that it's not going to run. You want to make sure that once the lead is coming in, somebody's reaching out to this person as soon as possible while it's still top of mind. Yeah. For every half an hour or hour, the lead has to wait. The chances that they're going to reply to you go down. And really? because, okay. yeah, because it's not high intent. This isn't Google search. This isn't referral. This is paid social. So they saw an ad. They thought it was cool. They thought it was funny. They thought it was interesting. They either signed up through a lead gen form or even through your website, but they don't necessarily have this like, you know, mission right now to get a, an analytics software or, or, yeah. or a B2B agency. They, they might say, oh, I think, and you also have to, you have to communicate internally that the leads that you're going to get here are not the same as the leads that you are getting through the website, through referrals, through yeah. search. They're not going to be as, they're not going to be as interested. Now that's not necessarily a bad thing. And that is how you grow. You can't yeah. just grow from hard buyers. You're going to, you know, there, there is, there's demand in the market. Some of that demand you're going to capture and that's great. But that's going to limit your growth if you only yeah. go to those. You have to go to casual buyers. You have to go to people yeah. who are like, yeah, maybe I actually was thinking about doing something like that. And yeah, you're going to have to work harder for that. Your SDR <laughs> is going to have to struggle a bit more for that. You're going to have to work, work harder for it. But if you mm. close it, that's like a whole other branch on your tree of growth. Maybe it expands to another region or another territory, or it opens up new doors or, or another network, because yeah. that's how companies grow. I, uh, I think just uh, for reference how we, we've only done it the last year or so with LinkedIn ads. And I started out offering on a demo on the first message. And well, somebody who doesn't know about us, well, they don't want to take a demo <laughs> straight away. And then I, I pivoted to the complete opposite. So I made a very light ebook, something about B2B. Ultimate guide. Pay to... pay to, yeah. And what I found out there is that there's also a long way from getting somebody to download an ebook just to get them to take a demo and not even speaking about the sales pipeline. At last, I, I kind of, I don't know if I want to say gave up, but I just thought, okay, let me just create some nice content, put in front of them and then trust that they will come to us afterwards. So I think, yeah, yeah just getting the yeah. lead, I think is really important, Gabriel. That's just not enough. You need like yeah. SDRs, you need people calling them, you need an automated flow of mails and stuff like that as well. And it helps to have, you know, product market fit. It helps to know what your positioning is and what your messaging is. You absolutely have to have a marketing attribution. And I highly recommend HubSpot more than anything else there. If you're using Marketo, if you're using something else, stop. There's no reason to do Except that. Except if it's stream data, then continue. Yeah, but that's not, that's not a marketing attribution. You guys do? Uh, sorry, not, I, I said attribution. I meant uh, automation, marketing automation. Ah, approved. approved. Uh, so you want to make sure you have something like HubSpot where you're doing, uh, where you actually, that's yeah, where you're collecting yeah, yeah. leads. And, and you want to make sure you have a good way to actually collect all the leads. And you want to make sure that you, you have these different things that you can test, that you can test out a demo request campaign. You can test out content. Now, one of the things that I've learned over doing this for years and years and years with many different types of companies, in many different industries, even if it's all B2B tech, you know, it really runs the gamut between uh, a small company that's targeting maybe smaller companies, even with a large deal size or enterprise company. It's there's so many different things and so many different behaviors. So I really have to say here, there is no one size fits all. 
Absolutely yeah. not. And so everything that can work, can work. So we've seen very direct on a cold, on a cold audience, a demo request campaign come in, get super cheap leads. They're able to, to get them on calls and, and close deals within like a 15 day, day time frame. Now, these are not huge deals, you know, not 20K, but the conversion rate is so high that it doesn't matter. And so, and for, for whatever reason, they're able to get really, really cheap leads. So maybe it's there, maybe there's, it's not strong product market fit. There's some industries that are less competitive than other industries. You're targeting marketers in tech. I'm targeting marketers in tech. This is saturated as hell. You've seen that big chart with Bartech. Now, if you're going after dentists on LinkedIn, I can promise you that, I don't know if I can promise you, but I'm pretty confident that you can probably get people to sign up for a demo for pretty cheap. And you can probably get them on that demo for pretty cheap because not a lot of people are going after dentists on LinkedIn. Some people are, there's a long tail here. So I worked once with a company that does software for like HVAC, like uh, heating and, and cooling and, uh, you know, for, for big facilities. And they had this sort of uh, automated solution that tells you when there's a failure there. And so we were targeting people who manage buildings and facilities and, you know, heating and cooling for, for factories and stuff like that. And it was crazy how well this worked. And the cost was so much lower than you'd expect. And so to anybody who's listening to this, the more niche your industry is, it's actually more likely that some of these like old school aggressive tactics are going to work really, really well. And the more sophisticated your audience is, the more sophisticated you have to be. It's kind of like an arms yeah. race. So going after B2B tech marketers, yes, you have to be a little bit more sophisticated than, than an ebook or, or a demo. Super nice. So we got a question here now, which actually leads into what I prepared as well. So I'll just read it out loud. Which medium do you find works well? Meaning pictures, videos, no, no graphics at all. And just to show that I actually prepped a little bit, I'll pull up this one. So this is, uh, Gabriel, you'll know this, but this is essentially the, the ad formats that you can choose when you're setting up a LinkedIn ad. Is there any kind of overall ways people should be thinking about these? Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I can tell you what we do for our clients and what we do for ourselves. I would say that 90% of what we run is a single image ad with a lead gen form or a video ad with a lead gen form. And it kind of depends if you have good videos or not. But yeah, for the most part, it's going to be single image uh, with a lead gen form. And we'll do that usually for, for ourselves or, or for our clients with or without a lead gen form. Um, is that like an experience based that that kind of works best? It's a combination of, hey, this is tried and true, this works, and it's easy, right? Like <laughs> it's, easier, it's easier to get an image than it is. To, and you kind of have to think about that when you're thinking about running yeah. this long term because resources are limited, whether that is time, money, people's attention. So if you're running your strategy, your tactics based on video, cool, and that might be really great, but that means you have to keep getting new videos all the time. And it's just more expensive mm. to get good video than it is to yeah. get a good image. True. That's number one. Number two is I'm very, very adamant about doing everything eventually. So uh, if, if we're at a stage with our client where, you know, we have scaled up, that things are working well, that we know their audience, that we know, you know, we kind of know the messaging. This is when I'm going to kind of venture out and try some of these other things, especially for retargeting. And so I want to be very clear on that. Like if you have a 
good retargeting audience, uh, whether from your website or, or, you know, you can retarget based on website. And by the way, for anybody listening, make sure that you're adding job titles and, and industry, like make sure you're adding a filter of your ICP to retargeting so that you're filtering out, you know, vendors and, and maybe people who are looking to work for you or your, you know, your buddy's mom that checked you out. Uh, so yeah, make sure yeah, yeah. I have it right here, this one. You can basically select which countries are good, which part yeah. countries you want to exclude. So uh, always, always remove audience expansion. Always, 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 always uncheck. <laughs> always, always. And then, yeah, if you, you can also make a, an, an offline list of your customers where you can kind of exclude them from the retargeting as well. I just wanted to add to uh, what I was saying about the ad formats. So yeah. if I have a good targeting audience and you can base, uh, you can do it based on people who visited your, your website, but also people who visited your company page, people who've engaged with your ads, who've clicked on your ads, who've opened your Legion forms, who've watched a percentage of your video. So what you're doing is you're, you're targeting your cold audience and you're starting to create a layer of a warm audience. People who have seen you once, clicked on you once, you know, you're starting to warm these guys up and that shouldn't be very large. Generally speaking, you're probably gonna get, you know, in the vicinity of a few thousand, maybe, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And it's really, really cheap to reach these guys a lot with all of these other formats. So text ads, text ads is not necessarily a great format for performance, but it's a really, really great format for reach. Uh, it's super cheap yeah. and you're only charging people click. And so you can get your logo in front of your retargeting audience pretty much every yeah. single day for dollars, really for like $10, I could, uh, $20. I, I can testify that as well. I know. Actually, I, see. Yeah, I, 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 st I started hating it because, oh, the click price is so high. Yeah. But yeah. you also get a shitload of impressions for practically yeah. so nothing. If you believe it's a good thing to stay top of mind, to have your logo be seen by your audience yes. often, then yeah, it's great. And it's just super, super, super cheap. Um, but some of these other stuff as well, message ads, conversational ads, all this other stuff, it's just, it's relatively cheap on a retargeting audience to just use these. Yeah. And then those other formats are underutilized for the most part. And so you can kind of just mm. make it so that you're meeting your potential client or your potential customer, or your, your lead, you're meeting your audience in various formats. And that helps in terms of building that, those memories in terms of, okay, yeah. cool. They're seeing the ad, they're seeing the ad. Oh, now we're seeing, you know, the text ad. Now we're seeing a video. Now we're seeing something else. And you can kind of flesh out those conversations there. Yeah. So Monica uh, is actually asking to ask. Yeah. Well, Monica had a question here. I'll read it out loud. Uh, so any specific tips for using lead gen forms? We just started yeah. implementing them. We did notice of, at first a lot of personal emails. So at least added work email after a quick learning there. What's your view so, on this, uh, Gabriel? Then I'll contribute afterwards. So the lead gen forms are a blessing and a curse. Um, if you are focused on getting leads and you are focused on getting leads at a decent cost per lead, you really have to be using lead gen forms. The problem with the lead gen forms is that they are pre-populated with, and you can use the work field, uh, but still most people don't have their work emails integrated into LinkedIn, set up on LinkedIn. And so you're gonna get a lot of personal emails. Don't yeah. worry about it. I check my personal email, you check your personal email, you can get through. But I'll even go further than that. If you are only reaching out to your leads via email, you're missing out. Reach out to your leads on LinkedIn. When I run LinkedIn forms, I don't even ask for email. You know what I ask for? 
I just ask for their name and their LinkedIn profile. You know why? Because everything else I care about is on their LinkedIn profile and you can message <laughs> them. So they've indicated that they're interested and you've made it super, super easy for them to say, okay, cool, I'm not actually giving you any personal information. I'm just raising my hand here for, for, to learn more. What's the difference? Honestly, what is the difference between getting their email address and a LinkedIn email? I guarantee you it's more likely that they're going to see that LinkedIn email than, you know, you don't have to worry about the spam filters. You don't have to worry about them, you know, whether it's personal or not, they're getting there. And you know what, you know that they're on LinkedIn because they just saw your ad. And so yeah, that's what I'm doing. But even if you're getting the emails and you're asking the SDRs to reach out on email, that's fine. Yes, people will respond to their personal emails a little bit less, but it's not so much that you should try to force them. You know, and that's no. some people do that, but just force them to put in their work email. Don't worry about that. And if you are really, 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 like really need those work emails, you know, you can use lead enrichment data like Zoom Info or something like that or Clearbit and you can get those work emails. And there you go. Yeah. I guess people also create their LinkedIn profile mainly with their private email. So they're more prone to have that in the system. Just for like a rule yeah. of thumb for people, what, what what is like a decent cost per lead on LinkedIn in your sure. opinion? So obviously there's, it depends as for all things, but I would say that a decent cost per lead for say a demo request lead would be about $300. Okay. That would be decent. And it might a be demo a demo request. Goal. Yeah. Democrist. Okay, so that's a pretty good intent then for, for it. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so I'll give you my benchmarks and these might've changed since the last time I checked them, but yeah, here yeah. are my, my benchmarks are for a demo request lead, it should be in the area of about $300, maybe a little bit less if you're lucky, maybe a little bit more if you're not, if it's a, you know, usually if it's a lot more than that, there's either a problem with your targeting or there's a problem with your messaging or you have a bigger problem than your and you realize it's much more because if everything yeah. is, is right in terms of your messaging and your creative and your targeting and you know it, and it's still much much higher than $300 for a demo request lead you have a you have a problem because your market is not as interested in what you're talking about as you thought and then That's what about an ebook just yeah so for ebooks it should be about $100 again could be anywhere between $25 and up to like maybe $200 but i would say that we usually see them in the vicinity of about $100, 75 is kind of a good good place to, to strive for. But if we can get to $100, we're happy. Now, the, the other benchmark that's important to remember here is lead to meeting ratio. And so for it, it pretty much correlates. So we usually see there's a one to three ratio between demo requests and content in terms of cost. And that works in reverse in terms of lead to uh, meeting ratio. So you know if you can get 15%, from lead to demo for a lead gen form, demo request lead, that's good. And if you can get it uh, for those content guys uh, coming in at about 5%, that's good. And I would say, and it's never that straightforward and we'll have clients where it's 20% for the demo request and it's 2% for the content, or we'll see that it's higher than usual for the content and lower than usual for the demo. And we've seen all sorts of variations there, but, Kind of on the on the average, that's it, yeah. it clusters around those numbers. It's so important to follow these things because though we might create this huge list of leads, like we haven't made any money for the company before you get contracts mm -hmm. signed. So never ever stop at the lead collection. 
you need to follow yeah. through. Do you yeah. get demo calls booked? Do you get yeah. sales meetings? Do you get sales pipeline, et cetera? And I would say that the two biggest issues, and I think you solved one of them, but the two biggest issues that we see that companies struggle with when it comes to LinkedIn ads, because once you've figured out the audience, once you've figured out creative and messaging, you're going to get leads and you can probably get leads at a decent cost. But yeah. the biggest thing the company struggles with is what happens after the lead comes in, how are they handled, and how you know are we able to turn them into a, a meeting or an opportunity, and all of that sort of dark funnel attribution stuff or, or the you know ABM attribution stuff or some of the stuff that you solve in terms of you know tracking the whole funnel. So I would say that those are the two biggest issues that kind of where where things fail that are not directly. You know, it's not something that you can actually fix in LinkedIn. And a lot of companies try to fix that. And they're like, you know, they'll come and they'll say, oh, our, our, you know, nobody is responding to our, our outreach from, from, you know, all these leads that you got. They're, they're ignoring our, our sales guys. And, you know, we haven't been able to book any meetings for them. And, you know, we'll dig around. We'll find out that the outreach emails were, were terrible. We're just awful. Yeah. And nobody <laughs> replied to those. And you and I wouldn't reply to those. And, and yeah. so... This is the thing where it's sort of like you, you can't solve that on the app. The ads are working. They're bringing in, they're getting in front of the right people. They're engaging at a good rate. Uh, somebody here asked about a good CTR. I would say that half a per, anywhere, half a percent is normal. Above 1% is fantastic. So if you can kind of work within that range, like anything less than half percent is a bad indicator. Between half percent and 1%, this is for a single image lead gen form. Uh, yeah, I, say, I was about to say that also depends on the, the medium that you, you're running. And Gabriel, this, like, we have to kind of stop soon, but I, there's one thing I wanted to ask you as well, which is this kind of... So the first thing you set when you create an ad, uh, you get presented with these objectives. What's the most important thing to be aware about when the consequences of clicking one of these? So basically, these tell the algorithm to do different things. And basically, some will optimize for, say, clicks, some will optimize for reach, and some will optimize for you know, frequency, for example. So if you, and, and this is it's not that important, it's kind of important, but it's a little advanced. But if, say, you know, let's say you were, you're working with a, a relatively large list and you don't have a very high budget and you have a video and... It's important that you know as many people as possible see the video, for example, within your ICP. And it's more important to you that as many people see the video as possible than it is for you to get clicks or leads or anything like that. Then you're going to want to go to mm. you know something like brand awareness or, or video views, and you're going to want to make sure that you are optimizing for reach. Lead generation, you know, will we'll make it a lead gen form ad and website conversions will try to optimize for website conversions. I generally don't recommend that. That's going to be asking the algorithm to do something that it doesn't necessarily have any business doing. Yeah. And I, I would do uh, generally for most campaigns, you're good with either running website clicks if it's going to the website or a landing page or uh, yeah. lead gen if you use a lead gen form. For, for nine times out of 10, yeah. that's what you should be doing. And if you're doing something that's more in the vicinity of brand awareness or just trying to kind of set, you know, you're trying to optimize for reach or something like that. And you don't want to have a frequency of say 20 
uh, and maybe you have a really small audience, then you might want to choose something else there and, and make sure that you're optimizing for reach. Yeah. So like if the list is super small, you just want to get anybody who can watch this ad yeah. to watch. If there's, a, if there's an option, I want a bit. Yeah. That, you have to kind of, and there, there are resources about that. You can probably explain it better than I do. But it, it's beneficial to understand how the auction works here and understand basically how, how the bidding works and understand how that would relate to your audience, right? So if you have a large audience and you have a small budget, that's, you know, you, you need to think about how you stretch that dollar and how you get to as many mm. people as possible. But if you have a very, very small audience and you have money, then you actually have to think about how do I, you know, how can I outbid everybody? Uh, you know, how can I make sure that I'm always showing up? And you have to think about basically how do you, how do you take all the inventory that you possibly can from this limited audience. If you have, I don't know, 4,000 people, yeah. that's it. There's nothing more than that. How do you make sure you get one? And these are totally different tactics uh, that you're gonna wanna yeah. employ. And this is actually a question I've been asking myself several times as I set up audiences. So once you define all these things, countries, lists, exclusions, etc., what is the size of the audience that you want to be seeing? So I have things where there's maybe 30 or 40,000 people in the audience. And then there's some retargeting stuff where there's, you know, just a couple of thousands. What is the size of audience that people should try to get to? Yeah, there's no one size fits all, of course. Like, so if you're, it kind of depends on your budget. It depends on your ICP. It depends on what your goals are. So, you know, if you're running lead gen campaigns and you're running out on a cold audience, you need a large audience. You need you know, I don't know, 15K, 20K, up to maybe 80K would be okay. You want to have a large enough audience that you can kind of play around with and you can, you know, it gives the auction enough opportunity for you to say, I'm not going to bid. I don't have to bid that high, right? So if you're mm -hmm. thinking about like, the, if there's like 50,000 people, if you're targeting, I don't know, US and Europe and your audience is kind of broad, let's say you're targeting all of the IT people in large companies in the United States. So you're gonna have a, a- That's a lot of people. A, that's a lot of people. And so you can, you know, create all these sort of sub segments and, and sub, you know, people like that that have, you know, this skill or that skill or this interest, whatever. You can create these kind of sub segments there. You can split it up by, I don't know, uh, industry or whatever you want. And then you can test it out. But basically what that allows you to do is actually bid much, much lower than the recommended bid. Because, you know, if you're spending $100 a day or $200 a day on a campaign and clicks are costing you, I don't know, $15, let's say, you don't actually need a lot of people. If your CTR is, is decent, your reach is going to be relatively small. And you don't need that many people from the, the audience to see it. And so that, that way you can be kind of, you know, you, you can kind of stand back and be like, you know what, I'm not, I don't have to bid that aggressively. There's a lot yeah. of people here. So you kind of have to think about where, like, where are you in the market? Are you, yeah. you know, are you a big fish in a small pond, or are you a small fish in a big pond? And if you're a small fish yeah. in a big pond, you can use that to get that to your advantage. And that, like, hey, I don't have a lot of money to spend here, so I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm going to actually, you know, I'm going to build a, a kind of broad audience. And as long as anybody who'd come in from this audience I'm, I'm interested in talking to, I can kind of loan. That's that's good for performance. It's not necessarily mm. good for awareness. For awareness, you want to get a relatively high frequency. You want to get to like four or five or six in a month. 
or even in a week if you're trying to build awareness. And then it actually yeah. makes sense to, to make your audience a little bit smaller so that you are hitting the same people more. So you, you just kind of have to think about this stuff. It's kind of advanced stuff. I, you know, you don't necessarily have to think about this stuff if you're, you know, if you're just thinking about performance. But you know, the, the longer I'm in it, the more I think about this stuff. Yeah, it's uh, I, I noted like make a really big audience and then try to like do a really low bid on the average cost per per click, and then you say, give me what you yeah. got at this price <laughs> at some point. Yeah, if you have a if you can do that, if you have a a decent audience and a higher than average CTR. If you can get a CTR that's like upwards of 0.8 or even one, you can be super, super aggressive with bidding your, like lowering your bid. Absolutely. 0.1, I need to remember, I need to go check our ads to see how many of them live up to that. Uh, just as a, a general health check, I mean, you can check uh, how much are you spending on, you know, your cost per click. And, you know, you might say, hey, Is this okay? Is this not okay? Or you, you you might be asking yourself, well, things we used to be working better. They're getting the cost per click is increasing. What can I do now to get it down? And is there room for me to get it down? So you don't need necessarily all. Sometimes there are advantages to actually you know paying a little bit more. If you're paying a little bit more, think about like you're getting kind of a premium there. It means that you're showing up mm. more often. It means that you're you're winning more auctions. Yeah. Ah, one other thing to to take into consideration. Are you spending your budget? If you're if you're not spending your budget, right? If you can if you can spend hundred dollars a day, if you can spend five hundred dollars a day, and you're not, you should probably increase your bid. You should probably you could probably you should probably be spending more. But if you're running out of your budgets, if you're like if you're in if it's you know if it's 3 p.m. in you know Europe and it's morning in the United States and you're targeting the United States and you've run out your budget by like 6 p.m and you haven't even barely reached the West Coast, you can probably reduce your budgets. Uh, sorry, you cannot probably reduce your bids and you can probably increase your budgets if you want. Cool. You Just to, to round it off here, is there any kind of algorithmic uh, or auction things right now that is uh, working super well and it's going to destroy your business if people hear about it, but you want to tell it anyway? <laughs> Like typically there's some kind of medium or ad format or something like that that is extra good at the present time? Uh, good question. I felt uh, like conversation ads were there one or two years ago and then uh, the EU deemed them illegally and then that tactic kind of uh, fell out. Any new ad format is going to have an advantage. If it's if it's good, You'll if you can kind of get it to work early on, there's a very good chance that you'll be able to get it at a premium. So the thing with the in-mails at first is that they were going for really, really cheap because inventory was cheap. Not a lot of people had adopted them yet. And not everybody really knows how to get them to work. And there's still kind of, you know, there's still kind of an advantage there, but you really have to, people people know what they are now. You know, you can't, mm, it's like yeah, pop yeah. You remember pop-up ads? Yeah. At first they were great because you no know, people weren't used to them or, or retargeting, like the early days of, of display yeah. retargeting. Early days worked really well because people were like, wow, these guys are everywhere. And they're like, oh, I get it now. You're just following me because I was on your website. You know, people know. Yeah. <laughs> people know the secret is out. I, I don't think there are any secrets. I think that's, you know, just be on top of like new formats, be willing to test them out, spend some money there to see if maybe you can find an edge there. But no, I don't really see, like I, like I said, I would say nine times out of 10, what we're doing is, Lead gen form on, on on a single image, so it's pretty pretty basic, and it really depends 
you know, from industry to industry, company to company. But if you can, like I said, if you can make people laugh, you've won. So humor is undervalued and underappreciated in B2B. If you can use humor, use humor. I would say that the secret weapon really that most B2B marketers don't have and should have is creative. And it doesn't necessarily mean having a fancy banner. It doesn't necessarily mean having a $10,000 video. It means stop, think about your audience, think about what will make them think, laugh, care, or whatever, to, yeah. to just consider yeah, yeah. what you're talking about for a second. And, and you'll probably do better than just what, whatever you were gonna do anyway, which is probably yeah. just very, very generic and bland. Sometimes that works, but if you really want to stand out, you kind of have to, oh, and one other thing, super important, people don't do enough of this, be consistent. People, you know, us as marketers, we have a lot of ideas. We're always kind of coming up with another idea, but people, you know, if you can be consistent, not necessarily with the same ad or the same cre uh, creative, but with the same theme, the same colors, mm. the brand, the, you know, the, the, you know, if you can kind of create a theme of ads that you can run long term, and I'm talking, think marathon, think like a year, think two years, think about TV ads that work with you. They use the same presenter, the same format and the same theme. Yeah. They'll change the scenario. One day they're at, you know, the, the park and then yeah, the I get it, I get it. but it works on you because you're like, Oh, I know that I'm familiar with that. And then after the third or fourth time you've seen it, you're like, I know that. What is it? Hold on. Let me, I keep seeing this ad. Hold on. I'm, I'm going to see. Is this, is this makes for me? Some yeah. Yeah. So, so this is the kind of stuff, honestly, way more than the, than the ad formats, way more than it's like get in front of the right people and think about the, the message stuff. Think about the consistency stuff. Think about what are they actually hearing from you and do yeah. they care? Can you get them to, to give a damn for, for a second? And if you do that, you're, you're fine. And, and nobody will care about the measurement. You'll be seeing the dollars coming in and they'll, they'll be telling your SDRs, oh yeah, we keep seeing your ads all the time. They make me laugh, they're funny. And, and you won't need to, to prove it so hard. Wonderful. I, I got a few good ideas right there. Um, let's stop now, Gabriel. Thank you for now. Bye. We hope you like listening to us. Subscribe to our podcast and the ones that we have been guests on. And if you have any feedback for us, uh, just do let us know. And should there be a guest that you think we should be talking to, then like pitch us. We're looking forward to seeing you.